0: Amen. Thanks. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter, you can say that back. That's even unrehearsed. No cues. You can just say happy Easter back. Well, let's try to rehearse the one, though. He is risen. It's yeah. Risen See, I like saying that. Um, I didn't always like to say that. How many of you grew up in a church where they would say that when you'd walk around? All right. Um, I, you know, in all honesty, I used to think it was pretty corny growing up when people would say that. But now, as I, as I get older and as I start to understand what church is, how it's not just this group of people that get together on Sunday in one particular location, but it's this worldwide thing. I, I, I love that, that we can do stuff like that, that ties us in with other Christians around the world. They've been saying that he has risen indeed centuries it was one of the early proclamations of the Christian faith. He has risen, he has risen indeed. And it was fun as I was preparing for uh, for today, one of the things I did is I went out and I looked at websites um, from churches all around the country, and not every website, but a whole lot of them. And I looked at uh, uh, websites from churches in New York, and in Hawaii, and in California, and in Texas, and Oklahoma, and all around the Twin Cities, and and it was so exciting because usually websites, they're, they're talking about just everything under the sun, you know, on any given Sunday. But it was so fun this time to see all our, and I'm going to say our websites, because we're all in this together, to see our websites Easter, Easter, <laughs> Easter, Easter, Easter. And to have, you know, this time where Christians all around the world, where we come together on the same day and we celebrate that he has risen, he has risen indeed. It's so fun. And then when you think of it, there's, there's so many different churches, you know, of the individual ones. They're, they're meeting today and it started, I don't know what time, midnight hit where. but And some of them do Saturday services too. So for, for quite a while, these services, this cascading wave of celebration of this day has happened. And it's been happening in every different type of setting. It's happened in huge cities, and it's happened out in completely rural outposts. It's happened in huge cathedrals. It's happened in community centers. It's happened in, in thatched shacks. It's happened under the stars. It's happened in prisons. It's happened and happening in battleships. It's happening in every place. It's as, it's, the celebrations today are as, as diverse as the people God created. But yet, there are these common pieces, some of them common to all of us, some of them common to, to many of us. So to say he has risen, he has risen indeed. To, to sing some of these classic songs and to look, as we open his word, to, to words that people are reading all around the world. That's, that's, that's exciting to me. So in that spirit, if you brought a Bible, let's open up to one of the accounts of Easter morning. This one is from Luke, chapter 24. And if you don't have a Bible and you're joining us today and you don't have a Bible at home, uh, we would love to send you home with one. We've got them at the table. Just take one on your way out. There's no, no charge at all for that. You know, we don't always do this. In fact, we, we don't do this enough. But in, in, in honor of, of God's word and honor of what he did, would you please stand with me as we, uh, we read this text? Thank you. This is Luke chapter 24. We're going to go verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has what? Risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Let's pray, and then we'll be seated, and we'll dig into all of this. Father, these things are, are too wonderful for us to fully comprehend. But well, we pray, God, that on this holy day, you would help us open our minds as you opened up minds and, uh, on that first day where they could see things for the first time, where they could understand. Lord, I pray that that starts to happen, that we understand at a greater depth what it is that, that was accomplished on Easter and what that can mean for our lives. Lord, thank you that you're already here. We pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would open our minds and give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and, and wills that are able and ready to respond. This morning we pray in Jesus name, Amen. All right, let's be seated and let's uh, take a look at a a couple things here here today. All right, well, um, there as we've already said, there has never been a day like this in human history, never like Easter, never. It's, there's so much that happened, and, and you could never on any one Sunday even list all the things that, that are a part of the celebration that we're doing today. Here's, here's a couple. We're just, I just want to throw a couple up on the screen to give us a sense of, of why Easter is a big deal, why I would even wear dress pants. Um, this is <laughs> it's, it's a big deal. Weddings, I'll do it, funerals. This is very different than that. Easter. Why is Easter such a big deal? Because the resurrection of Jesus proved he was the Christ. Because the resurrection of Jesus proves history is his story. All right, let me pause on these two for just a second. Um, these two are fascinating, and at different Sundays, different Easter Sundays, we've just dived into these. The whole, the whole um, reality that, that what Easter did in terms of proving God was who he said he was and that he can do what he says he can do and that this really happened. Um, I, I wasn't even going to comment on these, but have some of you been reading along with our Bible readings? Some of you have been doing that? All right. Um, well, Phil, as you and I have been doing... No, I know more of you have been doing that than us. Um, I, I just have to, I have to comment on this. Well, he threw his hand up. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it, it, this one caught me. On Good Friday, there, were, there was, uh, I think it was four readings they had us read, and one of them was Psalm 22. And I must have read Psalm 22 a lot of times because I've gone through the Psalms at you know, different times in my life, but I never, I never made the connection between Psalm 22 and Good Friday. This happened hundreds of years before Good Friday when Jesus was crucified. This happened hundreds of years, but listen to this. And this is coming from King David and Jesus, the son of David anyway. So just listen to some of these. I won't read the whole thing, but listen to some of these phrases and see if some of these came to pass. All right. Psalm 22, it starts out this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do those words sound familiar? Jesus spoke them on the cross. Hundreds of years, hundreds of years before that, David is, is saying this stuff. Listen to this. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Sound like how they mock Jesus on the cross? It continues, my mouth is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Didn't Jesus say, pierced. Listen to this. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I don't know that King David ever had his hands and feet pierced. Why would he say this? Unless God was speaking something here. They, listen how specific this gets. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Isn't this incredible? Hundreds of years before Jesus. And then I just got to get to the end here. Um, This is less prediction. This is less prediction of what actually happened there, but more uh, speaking to Easter and the reality that will one day come. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. They will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Future generations will be told about the Lord, maybe even in a community center. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn or yet unborn again, he has done it. He's done it. Isn't that? And and this is just one psalm out of a whole Old Testament that, that, that whispers Jesus' name on almost every page that there was going to be this one who was going to come and what he was going to do and even the death he was going to die and, and what was going to happen. It's fascinating. These, again, I could obviously spend all day just on these, but let's keep going. Um, here's some more reasons why Easter is such a big deal. Because those who were once in slavery to sin and fear and death have been set free. Because the resurrection of Jesus provides a glimpse of the resurrection to come. Again, we could add to this list all day long because Easter is like this diamond with many facets each one of them brilliant so although we could add to it all day long I just want to add one more one more facet and this is the one we're going to look at today that we're going to gaze at a little more clear, clearly and not just today but we're going to gaze at this one for the next uh, three weeks after today because we couldn't do it all today I'm tempted to try but you got brunches you got stuff okay so the last one here we're going to, this is the one we're going to look at Why is Easter such a big deal? Because Easter Sunday helps us better understand the scandalous grace of our prodigal God. Let me say that one again. It's more loaded than the others, a little more cryptic. We'll unpack it. Because Easter Sunday helps us better understand the scandalous grace of our prodigal God. Well, we could go all kinds of places to help unpack this in, in the scriptures. We're going to go to one chapter in Luke, where we started today, um, and we're going to look at, uh, at, at this and help to understand a little bit more what, what all this means. All right, and kids, get ready because we're getting close to the part where we're going to need your help. All right, let's, uh, let's look at Luke 15. This, it's fun because this is a chapter that we've, we've circled through a couple times. When we've been talking about other things, we oftentimes find that, that the teaching takes us intersects this chapter, but we've never really dove into it in in great depth. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. All right, it's got three parables back to back to back. And uh, and we're going to just go quickly through the first two and then dive deeper into the third one. Here's the first one. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. All right, even though we're going to go through this one quickly, I want to make it more visual. And if we have any kids who normally go to kids' church, or if you are fifth grade or under, can you come on up here because I need your help. We're going to have to find a sheep. All right, so I need some help from you guys. Come on up. Oh, we got lots of you here today. That's great. You guys can sit right in here, right right in this little section right there. Perfect. You did? Good. All right, sweet. Pull up a chair, or a floor, I guess. You can sit right there if you want, absolutely. All right, well, we have a sheep today. Krista, do you want to hold up our little sheep, this little lamb? Look at that. how sweet. Now, it's going to get lost, and we're going to have to have somebody find it in a little bit, okay? So while it gets lost, let's all close our eyes, and we'll count to as much as we need to count to until it's hidden. All right, so close your eyes, close your eyes. Ready? One, two, three, four... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. We had to count to 14. All right. Now, in, in the story we just read, there was a lost sheep, right? It got lost. And then who went to find the lost sheep? Anybody know who went to find the lost sheep? What? Who was it? You don't know? You thought, okay. Do you know who went to find the sheep? A shepherd. Okay, so we need someone to be a shepherd. Will you be our shepherd since you knew the answer? Okay, why not you stand up? All right. Now, the rest of us, we're the neighbors and friends and all that. So shepherd, in a little bit, I'm going to have you go find the lost sheep, okay? And when you find it, our part, because we're all the friends and the neighbors in the story, we're all happy, okay? So she's going to find the lost sheep, bring it back here. And when she brings it back here, we're all happy. So what do we do when we're happy? Smile. Smile. But they can't hear your smiles. And they're really cute, by the way. So what else can we do when we're happy? We smile. Sometimes we cheer. Good answer. Okay, so we, everyone just kind of go ah, on three. Ready? One, two, three. Ah! Okay, we got it. All right. So now I think the sheep went back that way. Krista, if you see Krista right there, if you need any hints, she can give you hints. But I think the sheep went back that way. So can you want to go back and look and see if you can find it? Head back there. Okay, let's find some sheep-finding Happy Eastery music. We'll play that while we're waiting. Okay, there you go. Head back. You're going good. And if you have any need, any hints, look back there. Here we go. She's looking. Cowboy music. He says, "Gotta get a little country on." Uh... Oh, she's getting close. She's getting close. She's looking around. Oh, this is why I do this and not the kids ministry. You know, that's why. Oh, look at that. Bring that sheep back up here. Woo! All right, you guys, do your cheer. Woo! Nice job. The sheep was found. You can sit down right there. Great job. All right, don't leave yet because we have another parable we're going to look at here. What do I do with the sheep? Sheep, here. All right. Um, now, any of you guys have pets? Any of you guys have pets? All right. You used to? All right. Well, some. <laughs> now I just ruin the Easter, you know? Oh, okay. Do you guys have a pet right now that's still doing well? Okay, great. Um, well, we got, we, got, we got to transition out quick. I'm getting coached by our children's staff. Get out of it quick. Um, here's a transition out. Look at the cute puppies on the screen. We have two pets. We have two pets. These are our two dogs. Bus, Buddy is the kind of the tan one, and then Buster there has got the more dark skin. Here's what happens. I don't know if you've ever had this happen before, but sometimes our dogs, we call it a jailbreak, where we open the door a little bit, and all of a sudden, they take off, and they run down the road, and they get lost. And we are really sad when our dogs are lost, sometimes angry, but sad. Um, but when our, when our animals get found, we are happy we're so happy and sometimes we've even called some of you to say oh those dogs got away but what was lost is now found and we're really happy and what the bible is saying is that god is happy heaven is excited when something something that was lost is found especially when it's a person that's when they're the happiest of all when a lost person gets found all right so that's one parable let me do this next one and then we have a little something for you for coming up here. All right, here's another parable. This is called the parable of the lost coin. And know that something isn't money, sorry. All right, just don't want to get, you're, be disappointed. All right, or suppose, this is Luke 15. This is right, this is right after. It's significant that this has come back to back to back. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I had something like this happen, too. Um, last week on Sunday, I had some $20 bills. I don't usually have a lot of those. but I ha- <laughs> Yeah, he does? Wow. Um, I don't have any of those. But I had some 20s. And, uh, and they were sitting on the seat of my car and I went to get gas and I opened up my door and I went out to get gas and it was a windy day. And I didn't tell you this. <laughs> Finding out new things. So I had these $20 bills on my seat of my car and I forgot about them and the wind came and when I was putting gas in my car the wind blew the $20 bills out of the car and I went back in I'm like, Where's my $20 bills? And they were gone. And most of them were sitting right under the car. And I was like, Shh. But then I counted them, and one was missing. So I'm thinking, where is that thing? And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I saw a piece of paper going flip, flip, flip in the wind. And so here I am running after this little piece of paper, flip, flip, flip. And it was my lost $20. And I was very, very happy when I found my lost $20. And the, but I forgot to call my friend. So now I'm telling all of you, I was happy to find my twenty dollars. <laughs> yes, yay, for yeah, and they rejoice. Yay! So but but guess what the Bible says? The Bible says that God is even more excited when a lost person gets found, when someone is doing something wrong, and they turn to God and do what's right. Now we don't have any silver coins for you, but as you're going back to your seat, Krista right there has a dish with some silver candies. That are shaped like little treasure chests, it was the best we could do. So on your way back to your seat, if you want to take one of those, and you can ask your mom or dad or whoever brought you, if uh, you can have that to eat. All right? So let's have a big hand for the kids. Thank you, kids. And as they're heading back to their seats, as they're heading back to their seats, um, let's uh, turn our attention to the last parable um, that was a part of this Luke uh, chapter 15 trilogy. Back to back to back. Something of great value is lost, something is found, and there's much rejoicing. Yay. All right, now I believe, um, this is my personal opinion, I believe that these first two have merit in and of themselves. There are things that we can learn and glean. But I, this is again, this is me speaking. Um, I believe that these two, their primary purpose was to set up this next one. I really, I I believe that. And and let's take a look at it. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. Here's where we're going to camp for the time we've got left. Uh, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed what? Pigs. We're going to come back to that next week. There's a significance there. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field and he came near the house. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother was thrilled that his younger brother was back. Is that what it says? No. Older brother became what? Angry. And refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And in two weeks, we're going to look at that. His father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home and kill, you killed the and calf for him. My son, Father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I think this is what the other ones are setting up. Uh, there's a guy named Tim Keller. I, I reference his book in your notes. Your notes, actually, if you want to pull those out, we're going to be talking about these a little bit the pretty page with the lilies on it on the back there's some a place to take some notes a guy named tim keller wrote a book called prodigal god and he doesn't give credit to himself obviously he gives credit to god first and foremost for coming up with his parable and uh but also that he said there, there was a sermon he heard once and it, it changed his understanding of god and he writes this if we can go to the tim keller quote that i uh they have there he says this about this this parable If the teaching of Jesus is likened to a lake, this famous parable of the prodigal son would be one of the clearest spots where we can see all the way to where? Bottom. I almost felt when he heard that sermon, I discovered the secret heart of Christianity. Now, how many of you know that Easter on the church calendar is not just one day? It's it's a season. It goes on for several weeks. Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of start to unpack this parable a little bit today. It's, it's not going to the middle of the lake and looking to the bottom. Today what we're going to do is just kind of get in the boat and start moving. But what we're going to do uh, for the first three weeks of the Easter season is we're going to dig deep into this parable. And we're going to take it piece by piece and look at the richness. Because I agree with, with Tim Keller. Um, I agree that this is a place where if you really unpeel the layers and, and dive deep, deep, deep into it, you begin to see the heart of God and you begin to understand the meaning of Easter and the significance of it in a, in a deeper way. So again, we're not going to be able to get very far with the you know, five, ten minutes i got left here today, but uh, we'll pick up from here um, next week. So anyway, let's, let's, uh, let's dive in. In your notes, there's two places that have blanks. Let's actually go down to the second set of blanks first. Let's do that. Then we'll work our way to the top. All right. As we peer deeper into the lake, one of the things we're going to look at and discover is that there's not one lost son in this parable. How many lost sons are there? There's two, and in fact, you, you know, as much as we see this written, I learned it as either the parable of the lost son or the parable of prodigal son. I don't think those are the best titles for this. If, if you're going to call it the parable of the lost, you should call it the parable of lost sons because you've got two lost sons, and I think it's absolutely clear that as you dig in deeper that that's the point jesus was trying to make he wasn't trying to say there's one lost son he never calls it the parable of a lost son there's two lost sons in fact that's how jesus starts it if you do have your bible look at uh, how he starts the whole parable <clears throat> on uh, chapter 15 verse uh verse 11 jesus continued there's a man who had how many two sons There's a man who has two sons. So as he frames this whole thing, he starts with, there are two sons. Now, what's really fun here is, again, we we can't go into a lot of depth, but a little bit we'll go into today. Um, It's really interesting that Jesus talks about two lost sons because in his original audience that he's giving this to, there are two distinct groups. There's probably some overlap between the groups, but there's two distinct groups. It's almost as if he's telling this parable to the two groups using the two sons. Let's look at that. This, is, this one we have on the screens, Luke 15, verses 1 through 3. This is how the whole chapter starts. So as he's talking about the lost and the found, here is how the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to, uh, to set this whole chapter up. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering to hear Jesus. What's the first group? The... Tax collectors and the sinners. That's this first group, the tax collectors and the sinners. And you can kind of group them together because these are like the first lost son. These are people who are not playing by the rules. These are people who are disregarding significant things that God said in his holy word. This is a group who's not fitting into the family, the nice little Jewish family, because they're doing things that are alienating themselves from that community. They're probably literally doing things that are alienating themselves from their immediate family. So it's almost as if Jesus is taking this group, making this lost son for them. But there's another group here. And what's the second group? But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners, the first group, and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Who does that second group sound like? Sound like the elder brother, don't they? The second son, the elder brother. It's almost as if Jesus was telling this parable for these two groups. The younger brother who were blatantly disregarding things that that, that God had said, and this other group who thought they were being obedient, who thought we're doing the right stuff. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were studying scripture. They had really good church attendance. They, They were doing what appeared to be all the right things. But we're going to discover as we go through this, they were more lost than the others. And it's even fascinating that Jesus, again, as he's framing this thing, we see that, that it was the sinners, the tax collectors, they were the ones gathering around Jesus. The people you would expect to be the furthest from God were the closest to Christ. They were gathering around. Boy, that made those other people angry, as we saw in the elder brother. You know, that elder brother, it's it's dangerous. If you if you've grown up in the church, or you've been around the church for any length of time, you've got elder brother itis. You know, it's just a matter of how bad you have it. And it's 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 not something you want to have. Because left unchecked, it will lead to spiritual blindness, it'll lead to arrogance, it'll lead to self-righteousness, it'll lead to a low grade bitterness that can destroy not only your soul, but the people around you. It comes out in judgmentalism. It comes out in grumpiness. It comes out in all kinds of ways. Legalism comes out in all kinds of unhealthy ways. And if you're around the church, you you start to catch it. So it's going to be fascinating to to dig into that. Again, I highly recommend the book where he also um, plows deep into this. Um, One of the things that he did in his book, um, Tim Keller, he, he, he wrote a story that I think helps understand what can happen to elder brothers. Um, I, I love this story. He, he said that once upon a time, there was a, a just and good king, a, a, a wonderful king who, who led with, with righteousness and compassion and justice. Well, one day, there's this peasant, and the peasant um, was in his little garden, and he, he, he pulls up this carrot. And he had been gardening all his life, and he had pulled up a lot of carrots, but he had never seen a carrot like this. And he thought, this is really going to seem silly to the king. But this is the best I can do. I want to give this to my king. So he comes to his king with this carrot. And again, he feels kind of silly because it's a carrot. But it's the best carrot he's ever seen. He says, king, here, I I brought you this. And before you laugh, the reason I brought you this is this is the best carrot I've ever grown. It's the best carrot I will ever grow. And you, king... You're good, and you're just, and you're righteous. I want to give this to you as a token of my appreciation and my respect. And the king saw that, and and he saw into the man's heart, and this king was moved. And he said, you know what? Um, I, I know where you live, and I have a piece of land right next to you. You know that big field? I would love to give you that as a free gift, a free gift, and I would love you to tend that property. It's yours for the rest of your life. And the the peasant was not expecting this. And he just, he was overcome. He said, thank you, king. I I don't know what to say. Uh, Wow. And he runs off and he told everyone how great the the king had been. Well, while this was going on, there was a nobleman, right? This nobleman who, who was there in the king's court. And this nobleman sees this whole thing and he's like, "Dude, got the land for the carrot? wow, because I used to say, dude, I guess a lot back in those days. Well, he, he, so he's like, think of this, if I give the king something better than a carrot, what am I going to get? This is, ah, this is sweet. So this, this nobleman, he raised horses. So he goes back and he finds his best horse and he comes to the king the next day. And he says, okay, this wonderful horse is the best horse I've ever had and the best horse I ever will have. And king, because you are so great, I want to give this horse to you as a token of my appreciation. <laughs> and so nobleman's all waiting, waiting, waiting for you know the response, and the king says, Thank you. you Maybe dismissed. The nobleman is just like, his jaw dropped a little too far because the king could see it, and, and the king says, Hey, let me explain to you something. You're you're obviously doing this because of what you saw yesterday. But let me tell you the difference. When when the peasant brought the carrot he was bringing me the carrot when you brought the horse you were giving yourself the horse that's the punchline and i think how often this is why this elder brother thing is so dangerous because we become that in church so in two weeks, that's one we're really going to unpack. And we're going to talk about the dangers and the differences and how you avoid and what God would have us to do and, and some things there too. So, um, again, uh, that's, that's one aspect as we peer into this lake that we're going to find that there's two lost sons in the parable. Now, the other thing we're going to find too that's very, very clear is there's not just one prodigal in this story. How many prodigals are there? Two. The younger son and the... Father. In fact, if you want to write this down, the real prodigal in that story is the father. The real prodigal in the story, of the prodigal son, is the father. And so, if you were going to title this, in my opinion, if you're going to title this correctly, you could either call it the Parable of Lost Sons, or you could call it the Parable of the Two Prodigals. Um, and, and here's why: I, I, I grew up in the church, and so I had never looked up the word prodigal because I thought I knew what it meant. Because the only time I ever heard prodigal referenced was the story of the prodigal son. And so I just assumed from context the word prodigal means you are supposed to go one way but you go another way and then later come back to the way you were supposed to go. That's how I've I've just assumed that that's what it meant. Is that what it means? No. The word prodigal really means something like recklessly extravagant. That's the meaning of the word prodigal recklessly extravagant. And the reason they call him the prodigal son is because he just spent it all. And not in a healthy way. He spent it all. And one of the things we're going to discover partly next week, partly the week after, and then certainly in week three, is the father was, was far more recklessly extravagant in terms of grace than his son was recklessly extravagant in terms of money. Much more so, at least I would, I would argue. What his father did in the eyes of this original audience, and we're going to bring you back there um, in a couple weeks, uh, it, it would be nothing short of scandalous. It was one of the most extreme examples of self-giving grace in the entire Bible. And this humility and grace that the father shows, it's fascinating because he doesn't just offer it to the younger son. He offers it to the elder brother, and we'll be looking at that. And peering into the depth, I mean, when you see that, it it can change you forever, understanding what happened there. So that brings us up to the top of the notes and transition us here towards, towards the end. Easter Sunday is the beginning, if you want to write this down, Easter Sunday is the beginning of the epilogue to the parable of the two lost sons and the prodigal father. Easter Sunday is the beginning of the epilogue to the parable of the two lost sons and the prodigal father. This wasn't a bedtime story. This was not a bedtime story that Jesus was telling. This was a key, central teaching to help us understand the depths of God's love for us, the amazing grace, which we now fully understand more that Easter has, has come as God revealed his great love for us. So there's two invitations I want to give you today. And the first one is to join us. I think I've made that pretty clear as I've been going along, to join us as we dig deep into this, um, deep into this, this uh, parable. I don't think we've ever, as a church, spent four weeks on one parable. It's going to be fun to really, really take some time and dig deep into that. So that's one invitation I want to extend is to, to dig deep with us there. But the other one I want to do is one that we can do today. And that is to respond to this God. You know, there, there are many of us out here today who are feeling like a younger son, you know, where, where we look at our lives and we look at how far we are from the life God has for us. So my invitation for you today is to, is to, to turn back. Start that long journey home. You know, start that long journey back towards God. Saying to God today, um, God, I want to turn from that. This Easter Sunday, Lord, help this to be a fresh start. And it's going to be a long walk home, but, but I'm going to turn and start walking today by your help. That's an invitation for some of you. Um, for others, maybe it's that elder brother thing. And, and the way you might know that you've got some of that is either you don't think you have any of it. That's a sign that you have some of it. I'm serious. If you think, no, no, I don't see any of that in me. I'm never grumpy. I'm never bitter. I'm never expecting anything from God. You know, you've got it. Um, but other ways it, it, it shows up is is the, the, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, joy and peace and patience. Is, is that a part of your life or is your life more bitterness and angry? Um, are, you, are, you, are you jealous of people that seem to have a, a deeper walk with God? Um, do you wonder why God feels so distant? Does it ever feel like God's, God's um, law, his, his, his scripture is a burden instead of something that's setting us free? You know, if you've got some of that, an invitation for you, too, to say, God, I want to turn back to you. Help me understand the joy of my salvation. God, today, please fill me with the fruit of your spirit to turn towards him. You know, and then there's others, you too, who are her life's going pretty well. And, and that's, what a great day to celebrate. So your invitation today is to just honor and, and, um, and, uh, and receive what God has done. So today, as we, um, as we uh, transition from the end of the service to the rest of our day, we're going to invite you to the Lord's table. And at our church, uh, we, we say that the only one that will keep you from the Lord's table is you. Jesus invites everybody. He invites everyone who would turn towards him. So today, if you'd like to come forward, you certainly can. If you have kids and you want to bring them up, um, just let the person who's serving communion know um, whether or not you want them to receive communion. And uh, if, if you don't, then whoever's serving, just, uh, just pray, God bless you. Happy Easter, okay? So um, let's do that. Well, And also what we do together when we come to the Lord's table with our church is we, before, we, before we make it individual, we do some things together. We have a couple prayers that we pray as a reminder that we are all in this together. So the Bible says as you come forward that you're to examine yourself So we do that together. And then what we'd also encourage you to do is to spend some time individually, whether it's at your seats or when you come. What some people do is they take um, the juice and they take the bread and they just go off to the side and spend a little time with with God before the the service for that too. So we'd encourage you to do that. But we'll have ushers that'll first come forward after I'm done praying. We'll have music going and then we'll have the the ushers come forward. We'll serve them and the ushers will invite you forward if you'd like to come for communion. All right? Well, let's let's pray together and then... um, we we'll have the ushers come forward. Worship band, why don't you guys come on and get into place. Let's pray. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. Now let's pray a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.